Everyone, welcome to the fourth episode of the Analyze and Educate Weekly News Roundup. This week, we got more fighting between the Turkish Armed Forces and the Syrian Army, which could turn into a broader conflict between Turkey, which is a NATO nation, and Syria, which is, of course, backed by Russia and Iran. We have the U.S. Department of Justice indicting four members of the Chinese People's Liberation Army on charges relating to hacking. And then, of course, we have uh, more than that, and then we finish it off with the weekly coronavirus update so i'm glad i could have everyone here with me today hopefully you uh, enjoy the content coming out um you know what to do like share subscribe all that good stuff uh leave some reviews leave some feedback any feedback is appreciated um and yeah you know where to find us uh twitter and instagram at analyze educate all one word and have a good day Off with the Americas. On the 10th of February, the U.S. Department of Justice charged four members of the Chinese People's Liberation Army in the 2017 Equifax hacking that stole millions of Americans' information, uh, $150 million to be exact. Just for context, that's about half the population. I think right now we're around 330-some-odd million. Um, now, the PLA members that were charged aren't actually in the country to face their charges and trial. Um, however, should they enter the country, they will be arrested and face trial. However, that is unlikely considering they have been charged. Um, so it's more a formality than anything, but <clears throat> still an action that needs to take place nonetheless. The next day on the 11th in Venezuela, the National Bolivarian Militia of Venezuela has actually made a official branch in the nation's armed forces. This move will bump up numbers in the military, um, but it won't have much of an impact operationally. Uh, President Maduro stated that the militias uh, numbering around 3.7 million members. One thing that you should take into account when hearing that number is what is the degree of training that everyone in that militia has? So for instance, can I take a farmer once a year, give them an AK, let them shoot off 500 rounds and call them a member of the militia, potentially. That's not much training. That's pretty much showing someone how to fire a weapon once a year. So, for instance, that's not the same degree of training that our reservist or guardsman would get. All right. So 3.7 million, big number. Um, Got to take into account what is the logistics behind it. And we don't know. Those haven't been announced. Um, I'm sure you guys could probably find some... Uh, intelligence experts that might know the dynamics behind it. I, however, do not. On the 14th of February in Honduras, at least 20 gunmen stormed a courthouse in the country to free MS-13 leader Alexander Mendoza, a.k.a. El Porky. They killed four police officers and wounded another three. President Juan Orlando Hernandez offers a reward that equals to about... 800,000 U.S. dollars for information leading to his recapture. Moving on to Africa, on the 10th, Nigeria Boko Haram militants killed at least 30 civilians at a rest stop off a major highway in the middle of the night. Uh, they did so by burning them alive in their vehicles. And the government did confirm that uh, women and children were kidnapped. They, however, did not give an official figure. Um, 
Nigeria and other countries bordering it have been fighting Boko Haram for quite some time now. Uh, and Nigeria has repeatedly announced that uh, BH has been defeated for all intents and purposes. However, this is constantly proven to be not true. Um, if anything, in recent years, Boko Haram has actually stepped up their attacks in Nigeria and neighboring countries. On the 11th in Sudan, the ruling military council in the country um, that is essentially ruling Sudan while it's in transition to a civilian government considered uh, sending former President Omar al-Bashir to the International Criminal Court to face his charges. He was charged by the ICC with war crimes, crimes against humanity, and genocide after killing and torturing between 200 and 400,000 in Darfur from 2003 to last year, 2019. At that point, he was actually removed from power by security forces, and he has since been imprisoned. <clears throat> Excuse me. Moving on to the Middle East, starting off with Syria. Busy week in Syria. Fighting is continuing between the Syrian Arab Army and the Turkish Armed Forces, along with Turkish backed forces. Uh, you know, like we were talking about in podcasts before, those uh, Islamist um, militias, uh, most of them aligned to Al Qaeda or formerly aligned to Al Qaeda that have been in control of Idlib province for quite some time. On the 10th, four Turkish soldiers were killed by Syrian shelling. Uh, in response, Turkish artillery actually targeted uh, SAA positions, and Turkish-backed forces shot down two separate Syrian helicopters um, over the course of the week. Those are actually three days apart. Everyone on those helicopters uh, was killed, and they were shot down with what appear to be man pads. That's man-portable air defense systems, you know, so we're talking... Uh, any of you that are familiar with the systems or, you know, play Call of Duty, Stingers, uh, Eagles, that kind of stuff. Um, and those are believed to have been supplied by Turkey. So Turkey is providing Islamist militias with uh, man pads that could take down uh, attack helicopters, uh, has a potential to take down jets, that kind of stuff. So that is a big deal. On the 10th, in a separate in this incident, uh, Syrian and Russian warplanes killed between 17 and 25 civilians in Idlib province. That is uh, coinciding with the SAA's offensive in Idlib province, which is one of the last uh, anti-government held provinces in the country. And I believe after that, uh, after Idlib is captured, which it will be in uh, you know, at some point, that's pretty much a given at this time. I believe Al Tamf will be the only region that will not be in control of either the Syrian government or uh, Kurdish forces or Turkish forces. Uh, so true anti-government forces, right? Next day on the 11th, the SAA recaptured most of the, or I'm sorry, they recaptured the entirety of the M5 highway, which uh, connects Aleppo and Damascus. And this is connected to two cities for the first time since 2012. Since 2012, it has been uh, in the control of various militias in the area, right? Um, not all of the highway belonging to any particular group at one time. Next day on the 12th, near Kamishli in uh, northwest Syria, a U.S. Army convoy 
came to a roadblock that was manned by armed militiamen and uh, would appear to be unarmed civilians. Situation began to escalate when the two forces. Uh, Sorry, the situation began to escalate between the two forces, um, including a time when militiamen were actually trying to steal a U.S. flag from uh, one of their MRAPs in the convoy. Um, and there's pictures going around of, you know, basically the militias and a U.S. soldier like struggling to keep this flag out of their grasp. At one point, a Russian military patrol arrived and uh, attempted to help de escalate the situation. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the situation in Syria, in northern Syria in particular, is just insane. You have Russian military patrols and U.S. military military patrols. Excuse me, um, coming into contact with each other, not not firing at each other, but I mean, like passing each other on the road, like communicating with each other. It's just insane. Um, yeah, so this Russian military patrol tried to help de-escalate the situation. Um, but that didn't work. At some point, U.S. forces came under small arms fire from an unknown group of individuals, at which point they took defensive actions and returned fire. One Syrian individual was killed. Uh, Syrian Observatory for Human Rights claims at that point it was unclear if the individual was armed or not. <clears throat> Moving on to Lebanon on the 12th Lebanese military uh, attempt to shoot down an Israeli Defense Forces drone that came into its airspace, supposedly. Uh, and after that point, there was heavy IDF jet activity in the area. Moving on to Iraq, the next day on the 13th, one small rocket hit an Iraqi air base that houses coalition troops outside of Kirkuk. And next day, the FAA allowed... U.S. airlines to resume flights over most of the Persian Gulf and Gulf of Oman after suspending them last night due to rising tensions with Iran. And on the next day, uh, rockets actually targeted the United States Baghdad embassy complex. And those rockets were launched by Qatab Hezbollah, the militia that's sort of been clashing with U.S. forces um, ever since before General Suleimani was killed. Uh, heavy air activity was reported over Baghdad after that rocket attack. And bringing it back on the 13th, the Secretary of Defense Mark Esper announced that the U.S. and the Taliban have agreed to a seven-day reduction of violence that will begin, quote-unquote, soon. No official date has been announced as the parties continue to discuss a peace deal. So the U.S. and the Taliban have kind of been talking back and forth about a peace deal for quite some time now. I think they've had probably 12 or 13 peace talks. Um, this could be a sign of progress, but we'll keep an eye out. Moving on to the Philippines. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte decided to scrap the Visiting Forces Agreement of 1998 after one of his top enforcers in the country's war on drugs had his U.S. visa restricted after he was in charge of detaining a Filipino senator that's been very critical of President Duterte. Uh, this agreement afforded legal status to thousands of U.S. troops rotating through the Philippines for both military exercises and to uh, conduct humanitarian aid. Um, this is kind of coinciding with what appears to be uh, President Duterte's disdain for the U.S. military and cozying up to the Russian and Chinese military. So 
we will see how that situation unfolds. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we will move on with the coronavirus update for this week. Before we do that, we will take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, and we are back with our coronavirus update for this week. So the virus actually has its official name now. It is now COVID-19. That's coming from the World Health Organization in uh, sort of justifying the name. The head of the World Health Organization, can't remember his name, basically said that we didn't want to use uh, names that you can basically associate with location or certain type of people, a name that's easily uh, pronounced. So COVID-19, there you go. So week started with a little bit over 42,600 cases and 1,019, sorry, 1,018 deaths. And the week ended with over 71,330 cases and 1,776 deaths worldwide. On the 10th of February, an additional 60 cases on the Diamond Princess cruise ship, currently docked in Yogama, Japan, port, uh, were announced, and that brought the total on the 10th to 135 cases aboard that cruise ship. Uh, five more cases were announced in the United Kingdom, bringing the total to eight. <coughs> There was a confirmed case in San Diego County in the U.S. That's a 13th case in the U.S. And this person uh, was actually one of the evacuees from the city of Wuhan. He was staying at the Marine Corps Air Station in Miramar, California. He was transported to the uh, University of San Diego, <coughs> excuse me, University of San Diego Hospital Um so what's interesting about this is he was part of a group of four people that were basically suspected of having the virus. They were brought to the UCSD hospital. They were tested. All four tested negative. Uh, and then at some point, somehow they were able to determine he actually did have the virus. So he was brought back to the hospital. He's currently being treated new data suggests that the incubation period is actually anywhere between two and 24 days with a mean of three days. This is correcting what was widely to believe be believed as a 14 day incubation period. <clears throat> uh, so this is a big deal on um, this can, uh, I mean, this makes the virus harder to detect, of course. And I mean, this could really throw a wrench in the whole 14 day quarantine plan. Cause what if, you know, someone gets a virus, you keep them in quarantine for 14 days, and then, you know, they're basically free to go. And another week and a half later, they start showing symptoms of the virus. How many people have they infected at that point? So we'll see if quarantine periods uh, change at all with this change of information. Hopefully they do. We'll keep an eye out. Next day on the 10th, uh, yep, World Health Organization named the virus COVID-19. 40 more cases were announced on the Diamond Princess, bringing the total to about 175. Next day on the 12th, a uh, nation of Tonga refused entry to four separate cruise ships to its ports due to uh, COVID-19 fears. Also on the 12th, the cruise ship, the MS Westerham, is granted access to dock in Cambodia after being denied entry by several nations due to uh, COVID-19 fears. On the 16th, an American woman from that ship tested positive 
for COVID-19 while in Malaysia after she had left the ship. The uh, company that owns that cruise ship, Holland America, said it's working with governments to track passengers that have already left other countries. Uh, At least 137 of them have done so. I believe there are are around a thousand people still on that ship that did not decide to leave. Um, we will see if this has a drastic effect on the number of worldwide cases, you know, as people uh, could have been exposed to this woman on the cruise ship. And that's even assuming she was the only person with the virus. You know, they're traveling around the world, potentially spreading the virus. We'll see. We'll keep an eye out. Next day on the 13th, Japan announced the first uh death of COVID-19 in the country. I believe that was the third death worldwide. Uh, first one being in the Philippines, second one being in Hong Kong. Uh, both of those were last week, I believe, third one being in Japan. Next, Moving on to the next day on the 14th, France announced its first death from COVID-19. So fourth outside of China, first outside of Asia. That's important to note. First death in Europe, first death outside of Asia. Uh, the case was a elderly Chinese tourist. Um, they were among the 11 cases currently in France. I believe this person was about 80 years old. Something to, to keep in mind. Um, the death rate for the virus is believed to be anywhere between 2 and 4%. Um, but you know, if you're if you're infected with this virus, um, you're obviously going to have a higher uh, risk of fatality if you have a weakened immune system. You know, so if you're very young um, or you know very old, uh, you have some sort of condition that would diminish your immune system. You would be at risk uh, more so than an objectively healthy person, right? Also on the 14th, Egypt confirmed their first case. This brings the virus to Africa. Uh, This case was described by the Egyptian government as a quote-unquote foreigner. No other details are given. So real quick, you got the virus in Asia, Europe, uh, Australia, Africa, North America, And yeah, so we're just missing Antarctica and South America. And of course, Antarctica is um, considered uninhabited because there is no consistent population there, right? So we're really just missing South Africa. Also on the 14th, uh, Kim Jong-un of North Korea ordered a 14-day quarantine. Again, keep in mind the new incubation period, 14-day quarantine on anyone returning from China within the past 30 days. There was a government official that actually broke quarantine to visit a public bathhouse, and he was executed on the spot by gunshot. So Kim Jong-un is not playing around, but that shouldn't really surprise anyone. Also on the 14th, a Japanese man tested positive for COVID-19. I bring this up because this dude had actually, excuse me, recently returned from Hawaii where he said he first started feeling his symptoms. Keep in mind, there are no confirmed cases in Hawaii. So what we probably have here is someone in Hawaii was infected with the virus and they have yet to show symptoms of the virus, which is why they haven't 
seek medical attention why the case hasn't been reported. Um, but they were still contagious within this incubation period, which is, you know, what we're hearing from a lot of, uh, a lot of sources, right? You're contagious during this incubation period. So this Japanese man that was infected in Hawaii actually started to show symptoms before the person that infected him. Most likely, we don't know that for sure, but that's most likely the case. I can't see what else it would be. Um, hopefully this doesn't, uh, spike up the number of cases, especially in the U S but we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. Next day on the 15th cases on the diamond princess cruise ship, uh, bumped up and they were at 335 as of the 15th. Keep in mind that's out of uh, about 4,000 people, uh, crew and passengers, included. So that is a little less than 10% of that ship's population infected. Now keep in mind, today is the 17th. The number of cases has bumped up. I don't take my word on this, but I thought I saw uh, within the past few hours that it was actually reported to be 455 or maybe 435 between that range. So that is over 10% of the ship's population, at least that we know of. Also on the 15th, uh, Nepal evacuated 175 of its citizens from the city of Wuhan. Better late than never, I guess. And lastly, on the 16th yesterday, Taiwan reported its first death from COVID-19. That is the fifth outside of China. So with that being said, uh, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Um, you know, news is kind of grim. Uh, it's the nature of it. Oh, well. Um, then, yeah, we'll see you next week. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Analyze and Educate podcast. Like I said before, you could find us on Instagram at AnalyzeEducate, all one word. You could find me on my personal at Kirko408 on Instagram. You could find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, anywhere you find your podcast, really. Like, share, subscribe, review the podcast, whatever you got to do, spread the word. The support helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. I hope you like this episode. Um, hit us up. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me what you want to see. You know, what, whatever you want to tell me, just hit us up. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time.